This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. Inna alhamdulillahi ta'ala nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'gfiruhu wa na'udhu billahi min shurur yanfusina wa min siyyat a'malina min yahdihillahu falamudillalah wa min yudlil falahadiyalah وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله تعالى وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار. As you're well aware, we're in the midst of a global event, something that's dominating world news, and that is the coronavirus. And it's something which I want to speak about today and divide into three different segments. Firstly, our mindset and our approach as Muslims when we deal with something like this, something which is unprecedented for most of us in our lifetimes, something that most of us have never seen or experienced, and so therefore, understandably, we're slightly unsure as to how we should approach this issue from an Islamic viewpoint. The second issue is some of the etiquettes that are important and necessary for us to have, and then finally, some of the rulings as they pertain to us during these times. Over the past few weeks, as we know, and as we've seen, and as we continue to see, the whole world has gone into a different mode due to something that, has, that is in, unprecedented and that has taken place, that continues to be the case and it is a fast developing, constantly changing scenario. Something that we don't really experience firsthand because for most of us, we have been blessed by Allah and fortunate enough that when issues like this take place, they are often far from our shores. And they are things that are distant to us or behind a television screen or from a newspaper or a website. So we don't really experience this firsthand. But when it strikes and it comes amongst us and it's rampant and there is real tension and sometimes even fear within the community and at people at large, then it's something that we begin to take very close and very seriously. And as with all tests and all such situations, each and every single one of them is a reminder from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as I've been reflecting on this situation and its development over the last few days and weeks, a verse of the Qur'an continuously comes to my mind. And it shows to us how fragile our life is. How we have taken things for granted. How the constructs around us that we have, have given us a sometimes false sense of security how we often think that things that happen to others won't happen to us and we won't experience them. And if this shows some things, it shows us how fragile our existence is. Despite all of the medicine, technology, engineering, everything else that we have, 
at our disposal, we as humans are weak and we're fragile. And as we see with what's happening with businesses around the world, airlines, hotels, and what's happening with stock markets and what's happening with generally what's going around, it shows you how fragile and how weak we are. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Fatir, the verse that has constantly been coming back to me over and over again, is the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal in Surah Fatir, Ya ayyuhal nas, antumul fuqara'u ila Allah, wallahu huwa al-ghaniyul hamid. O people, you are the ones who are impoverished, in need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah is rich, free of all need, worthy of all praise. إِنْ يَشَأْ يُذْهِبْكُمْ وَيَأْتِ بِخَلْقٍ جَدِيدٍ If he so willed, he could remove all of you and bring a new creation. وَمَا ذَلِكَ عَلَى اللَّهِ بِعَزِيزٍ And that is not something difficult upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This verse of the Qur'an should make us reflect on how much we are in need of Allah azza wa jal. And I don't just mean from the point of view of our wealth and our economic stability and our health and just the way that life needs to go on for us to be able to live in a comfortable and productive way. But I mean how much we are in need of Allah's mercy and His forgiveness. How much we are in need and desperate and impoverished for the gift of Iman. For belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Something that we take for granted. Today on this day of Friday, there are masjids across the world. Across the world, they don't have a Salatul Jumu'ah. Doors that have been closed of masjids because their governments have told them that people can't congregate in numbers over 50 or 100 or 200 or whatever it is. This morning I received a message from Kuwait, a Muslim country, where they have the same thing. The doors of masjids have become closed and it shows us how much we take things for granted. We take our Iman for granted. We take Allah's blessings for granted. We take for granted the fact that we have access to the masjid that we can come and pray and worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, never in our minds did we imagine that we would see in the UK, in Europe, in North America, in these countries, a time when you couldn't go for Umrah, and a time where you can't possibly come to the masjid, a time when you're told there's no Jumu'ah, and if that continues, it rolls on, and Ramadan is only, as you know, a few short weeks away. May Allah azza wa allow us to witness the month of Ramadan, we will be in severe need of that month of Ramadan. We will need it to strengthen our Iman and to build up our faith, but it may well be the case that you don't come for the mas to the masjid for taraweeh, that you can't come to break your fast in the masjid. There's no Eid Salah in the way that we've become accustomed to. And so many different aspects of our religion are communal acts of worship. They require us to congregate. They require us to come together and show the open bonds of brotherhood and sisterhood in our religion. But that possibly can be something which is taken away from us. How much are we in need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How weak are we? And Imam ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala when he was commenting on this concept of al-iftiqar, of need and impoverishment before Allah azza wa jal, he said it's true form is when a person realizes that every moment of their life internally and externally, they are in need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They are never rich enough, strong enough, powerful enough, independent enough to do anything in their life except by the permission and the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's how much we need our iman. 
We come, most of us, to the masjid to give ourselves the iman boost. We come to the Jumu'ah because we need that message that's given from the minbar. We need to come together to pray salah because it gives us some solace and contentment in our religion with all of the issues that take place around us. And then if it's taken away from us, we understand how valuable that is, how precious it is. And that's why throughout the Quran and in the Sunnah of our Prophet ﷺ, in times like this, in times of actual need, of real need and real test, you see that the guidance of the Quran and the Sunnah is that these events should turn you back to Allah more. And they should bring you closer to Allah Azza wa Jalla and make you reflect upon that fragile situation and that fragile state of Iman that most of us have. That we don't know what event will come and break that connection. May Allah Azza wa Jalla keep us all strong. It is times like this when we see in the Quran the lessons and the benefits from those stories of the prophets and others who when times like this came they would turn back to Allah Azza wa Jalla and that's why throughout the Quran you'll all of the stories of the prophets irrespective of the trials and the tests and the nature of the tribulations that they faced the common denominator and the single pattern that unites them is that they would all turn back to Allah making more dua making more tawbah making more istighfar making more dhikr of Allah Azza wa Jalla turning back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala said that you see from the Quran that Allah azza wa jal tells us that from the greatest ways of relieving diseases and pandemics and other tests and tribulations that we face is by doing more good deeds and not less. And that becomes challenging in times when you may be told to stay away from congregating, stay away from the masjid, don't come so much, don't get together so much, Ramadan's gonna change and it becomes more challenging. And that's where it comes to the issue of having that personal strength of Iman, of turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in your personal dua and your personal istighfar and your personal dhikr of Allah azza wa jal. We are so used to relying upon ourselves and upon one another and upon society in general that we have become so weakened when it comes to our reliance upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the hadith of Abdullah ibn Hawala radiyallahu an. In the Sunan of Abi Dawood, the Prophet said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in a dua as he was speaking to a group of his companions. He said, Allahumma la takilhum ilayya fa'adu'fa anhum. Oh Allah, don't make these people dependent upon me. And he is the Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, lest I should be too weak to help them. Wala takilhum ila anfusihim fa'ajuzu anha. I don't make them dependent upon themselves, lest they should be unable to help themselves. And don't make them dependent upon others, lest they should give themselves more better treatment than they give to others. All of us, we are in need of Allah mercy and His forgiveness. And that is why the Prophet recommended to us du'as that we should be reading every morning and every evening. Du'as that should be part of your daily routine and from those du'as are du'as that speak about times like this of how Allah gives protection and safety, and how Allah helps relieve these types of issues that are taking place today. Prophet said in the hadith that is also collected in Sunan Abi Dawood, the hadith of Abu Bakr radiallahu He said, and he gave us the dua, Allahumma rahmataka arju, fala takilni ila nafsi tarfata'in, waslih li sha'ni kullah, la ilaha illa ant. Oh Allah, it is your mercy that I hope in. And we as Muslims know, 
that we take on board medical advice and practical advice and everything that you're being told to do or not to do is something that you should be doing as a responsible Muslim. But what makes us different is alongside that we have our trust in Allah and our iman in Allah and our belief in Allah's decree and in his knowledge and in his wisdom subhanahu wa ta'ala. Oh Allah, it is your hope, that it is your mercy that I have hope in. So don't leave me to myself even for the blink of an eye and rectify for me all of my affairs. There is none worthy of worship except you. The Prophet told us sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu anhumah also in the sunan of Abi Dawood that every morning and every evening he would make this dua as part of his adhkar. Allahumma inni asaluk al-afiyata fi dunya wal akhira. Oh Allah, I ask for your protection, your well-being in this world and the next. Allahumma inni asaluk al-afwa wal-afiyata fi dini wa dunyaya wa ahli wa mali. Oh Allah, I ask for your protection and your well-being for my religion, my worldly affairs, my wealth and my family. Allahumma astur awrati wa amin raw'ati. Oh Allah, veil my weaknesses and grant safety to my fears. Allahumma hafudni min bayni yadayya wa min khalfi wa an yameeni wa an shimali wa min fawqi wa a'udhu bi azamatika nughtala min tahti. Oh Allah, protect me from in front of me, from behind me, from my right, from my left, from above me. And I seek refuge in your greatness from being punished from beneath me. That is an amazing dua that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would make every morning and he would make every evening. In the hadith of Uthman radiallahu an, in a tirmidhi, he said the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, ma min abdin yaqulu fi sabahi kulli yawmin wa masai kulli layla bismillahi alladhi la yadurru ma'asmihi shay'un fil ardi wa la fil samaa wa huwa al-sami'u al-alim thalathan fala yadurruhu shay'. He said there is not a person who every morning Every evening, three times, he says, in the name of Allah with whose name, nothing in the heavens and the earth can harm. And he is all hearing, all knowing. No one says that three times a morning or evening, except that nothing will harm them. With that trust in Allah Azza wa Jal, with that iman, with understanding your need before Allah, by humbling yourself and showing your poverty before your Lord and Creator, subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is one of the things that we are desperately in need of. And so what we do is we take the small things for granted. We don't appreciate the blessings that Allah has given to us. And that brings me on to the second point, and that is the issue of etiquettes. The etiquettes that we should have. Our religion is amazing. In the way that we should be acting, in the way that we should have etiquettes and mannerisms on a daily basis, in the way that we should be holding and, 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 and performing or, or uh, doing what we should be doing as Muslims, our religion is amazing. Much of the advice that you hear, that you heard before the Jum'ah prayer, that you hear on TV, from the news and so on, those different things that you're being told to do are Islamic concepts. Cover your mouth when you sneeze or when you cough. Cough into your clothes instead of your hands. These are Islamic concepts. The Prophet told us وسلم, in the hadith, or they said rather about the Prophet in the hadith, that if he, if he used to sneeze, he would cover himself with either his hand or with his clothing. That's something which the Prophet ﷺ used to do. Washing your hands frequently. It is a sunnah in our religion. That you should be making wudu for every salah, even if you don't need to. It is the sunnah to make a fresh wudu. So you're washing your hands constantly for 20, 30 seconds or longer. That is an Islamic concept. Because the Prophet وسلم, as we know, told us, Purification, cleanliness, hygiene, 
that is half of faith. Allah Azza wa is pure and He loves that which is pure. The Prophet told us, if you need to stay away, self-isolate, keep away from people. He told us in the hadith in Al-Bukhari and Muslim, La yuridu mumridun ala musih. Someone who is sick and ill shouldn't mix with someone who is healthy. If you have an illness or you think that you have something that someone may catch from you by the permission of Allah Azza wa Jal, then you stay away from that person. That is an Islamic concept of self-isolation. In the hadith also in Al-Bukhari and Muslim, the hadith of al-Sharid, Ibn al-Suwayd al-Thaqafi radiyallahu an, a companion who was from Ta'if, from the tribe of Banu Thaqif. They came as a delegation towards the end of the life of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam en masse, the whole tribe, to come to accept Islam and to give the Pledge of Allegiance, which involves shaking the hand of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. They came en masse. But amongst them, he says, there was a man who had a form of leprosy, a contagious illness, they left him beyond the city limits outside of Medina. And they came to the Prophet ﷺ and they accepted Islam and they gave him their pledge of allegiance. But they said, O Messenger of Allah, amongst us is a man who we left outside of Medina for this reason. This is his situation, his condition. The Prophet ﷺ sent to him a messenger. To him, Inna qad farja. The hadith is in Sahih Muslim. We have accepted your pledge of allegiance, so go back. Didn't ask him to come in, didn't tell him to come to the masjid, didn't tell him to come to meet the Prophet ﷺ, despite the virtues of meeting the Prophet ﷺ, sitting with him, speaking with him, being in his masjid, giving the physical pledge of allegiance to the Prophet ﷺ. We have accepted your pledge, return home, go back. And that's because our religion has this concept of self-isolation. If you're ill, you're not well, you fear, especially when there's something like this going around, that there are people who will be susceptible, people who are vulnerable to your condition, to stay away from them, to self-isolate, to keep away from those places where that may spread, is an Islamic concept. In the 18th year of the Hijrah, in the Khilaf of Umar radiallahu an, a plague struck in a sham, the area of the world, Palestine, Syria, the region of the world, known as the Ta'un of Imwas, Amwas is an area in Palestine, modern-day Palestine, where it started from. From amongst the people who died or would die in that plague were some of the senior companions of the Prophet ﷺ, the likes of Abu Ubaid ibn al-Jarrah and many others. In the books of Muslim history, of our history, it says that over 20,000 Muslims died in that single plague. Abdullah ibn Amr ibn al-As, the famous companion, would eventually become the, govern, the governor of this province whilst the plague was still rampant. He was made the governor by Umar and when he came as a man of known for his intelligence and his genius, when he saw that one of the reasons why it was spreading so wildly was because people were constantly together. People were constantly mixing. People were with their families in their communities always mixing, and so it was spreading more. He said to them, go and spread out into the mountains. Go out into the desert. Go out far away and don't congregate so much. And it was one of the reasons by the permission of Allah Azza wa Jal that the plague was lifted. When Umar radiallahu an heard what Abdullah ibn Amr had done radiallahu anhumah, he was amazed by his intelligence. Amazed that he was so perceptive that he saw this pattern and then he warned people accordingly. That is an Islamic concept within our religion. So when you're told 
it's best for you not to shake hands. Shaking hands isn't wajib. It's a sunnah, it's something which is good to do. But if it is better for you to stay away from, it is understanding that principle of the sharia that I gave a khutbah about recently. And that is leaving off what is more harmful even if there is a benefit in it. Removing the harm is one of the foundations of our religion. It is one of the cornerstones of our sharia. When you're told this is how you behave, wash your hands, cover your mouth, these etiquettes that we have in our religion, it is because what is harmful automatically in our religion should be prevented to the best of human capability. To the extent that our Prophet ﷺ told us, as you know in the hadith in Al-Bukhari and Muslim, مَنْ أَكَلَ مِنْ هَذِهِ الشَّجَرَةِ يَعْنِ فَلَا مَسْجِدَنَا Whoever eats from this plant, meaning the garlic plant, or in the other narration, garlic and onion, then don't let him come to the masjid. In one of the wordings of the hadith, because the Prophet said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, فَإِنَّ الْمَلَائِكَةَ تَتَأَذَّى مِمَّا يَتَأَذَّى مِنْهُ النَّاسِ Because the angels are harmed by that which harms other people. And by the opinion of the vast majority of scholars, it is not haram to eat garlic or to eat onions and come to the masjid. But it is severely disliked because of this hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa it harms people, it harms angels. There is a harm that is something which emanates across people. And so therefore you stay away from the masjid. And if that's the case from just eating something like garlic or onions, then what about when there is a serious and real danger? Something which people need to be aware of. So our religion is that amazing religion that contains within it mercy and guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but also comes to help people live their lives in a safe and comfortable and healthy way. To bring those two components together, to listen to what you're being told and the advice that you're being given. But then at the same time, and more importantly, to have that strong foundation of Iman, to turn back to Allah Azza in times like this, to make dua to Allah, to make istighfar and seek forgiveness for your sins, to give more sadaqah and do more good and help those around you that are in need of help and to ask Allah Azza wa by making dhikr to him for his protection. And for his safety, that is the way that we as Muslims should respond during these times. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal that he keeps us and our families and our communities safe. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Qur'ani wa sunnah. Wa nafa'ani wa yakum mima fihima min al-ayati wa hikmah. Aqulu qawli hadha wa astaghfirullaha li wa lakum. Wa li jami'u al-Muslimina min kulli dhambil fastaghfiruh. Innahu kana ghaffara. الحمد لله على إحسانه والشكر له على توفيقه وامتنانه وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له تعظيما لشأنه وأشهد أن نبينا وسيدنا محمد عبده ورسوله الداعي إلى رضوانه صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وإخوانه وسلم تسليما كثيرا أما بعد The third issue that I wanted to deal with in today's khutbah is some of the rulings that either already apply to some of us or may well apply within the near future and again, it is from the beauty of our religion, from the things that we take for granted. How amazing our sharia is that we have within it these principles and these rulings from which we can deduce the things that we need in order to apply them to our situation. We often take for granted the etiquettes of the Quran and the Sunnah and the rulings of the sharia and the principles that have been laid down and established by the scholars of Islam something which we take for granted. We don't really pay much attention to it. But in times and situations like this, this is when we are all in need of that type of guidance. The first issue, therefore, is as it relates to congregational prayer and Jumu'ah prayer. And you may have heard this already. 
But just to stress and re-emphasize, it is people who have symptoms of coronavirus, who fear that they have symptoms of this virus, they shouldn't come to the masjid. Not that it's not disliked or maybe they, they shouldn't. It is according to some scholars, haram. The senior scholars of Saudi Arabia gave a fatwa recently saying that it is haram for them to come to the masjid. And that has his basis in the sharia. It has a basis within the evidences of the Quran and the sunnah based upon those principles that I mentioned to you of stopping and refraining from harming others. We have within our community people who are highly vulnerable to this. Our elders, people who have underlying health, serious health conditions, for them, they shouldn't come to the masjid. Not for the Jumu'ah prayer and not for the congregational prayer. They should pray at home. And anyone who prays the Jumu'ah prayer at home prays four rak'ahs, they pray dhuhr. You don't pray Jumu'ah at home. You don't have your own khutbah or your own salah of Jumu'ah or follow it online or from the internet or YouTube. You pray dhuhr, four rak'ahs as you would usually do. Those people should stay away from the masjid. Number two, people who it's not necessary for them to come to the masjid anyway. Our sisters, children, travelers, people who Salatul Jumu'ah and Jama'ah is not even an obligation upon them on the opinion that Jama'ah is an obligation upon Muslim men. Those people should stay away from the masjid and I know that's difficult to do. And I know that it is hard to do and we enjoy coming to the masjid and congregating. But it is from the masalih of the sharia, from the way that the sharia looks at these issues, that those people it is better for them to stay away from the masjid. And they can follow the khutbah online and they can listen to the salah online and so on, but it is better for them to stay from the mas away from the masjid. Number three, if you're in that position, even though you may be young and healthy, but you're fearful that if you contract that illness, you have elderly people in your household that are dependent upon you, that need you in order to look after them and for their well-being, then it is allowed for you. It is a rukhsa, a concession for you to also stay away from the congregational and Jumu'ah salah. And these are major changes for the vast majority of us. But whilst and until the situation calms down and it stabilizes, those are rulings of Islam, not from me, but from scholars of our religion from Saudi Arabia and other places who have spoken about this issue at length. For those people to stay away from the masjid, it is allowed for them to do so. In my personal view and opinion, it would be prudent for masajid to shorten the Jumu'ah prayer as they've done in other places across the world. It is also the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ that he would give a short khutbah. And it's something which we're not accustomed to that someone comes and does a five, 10 minute khutbah. We do the salah and we're done in 15 minutes. But that was the practice of the Prophet ﷺ. His khutbah would be short, concise, to the point, And he would establish the salah and the people would leave. It is a prudent thing to do because the situation may well be coming where we can't gather in large numbers like this for prolonged periods of time. There will be other issues that also affect us as Muslims. Funerals is one thing that may well be affected if you're ill or you're self-isolating, someone in your family passes away, how to deal with that issue, how to wash the body, shroud the body in those times and those places are things that we also need guidance for, but this is not the time and place to go into that in detail. All of these issues are rulings that we require as Muslims. And inshallah, our masajid, our imams, our institutions will give that guidance as and when appropriate so that we know how to deal with this issue. I want to conclude by stressing and reaffirming the point that I began with, that these are times in which we are more than ever in need of Allah's mercy and his forgiveness. And we are more than ever in need of understanding and knowing how fragile our state is. 
يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسُ وَأَنْتُمُ الْفُقَرَاءُ إِلَى اللَّهِ O people, you are the ones who are in need of Allah Azza wa Jal. And Allah concludes that verse by mentioning two of his names and attributes. Number one, that Allah is free of all need. Allah is rich. Allah doesn't need our ibadah. And Allah doesn't need our iman. And Allah doesn't need our dua or our dhikr or our tawbah. It is we that are in need of Allah Azza wa Jal. And number two, Allah gives us the solution. That he is al-hamid, worthy of all praise. So in these times we should praise Allah more. Thank Allah more. Turn to Allah more. Make dua to Allah Azza wa Jal more. As was the practice of the prophets and our prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal on this blessed day of Jumu'ah. From this blessed place and masjid and house of Allah Azza wa Jal. That Allah protects us and our families and our communities. That Allah Azza wa Jal cures those from amongst us that are ill. And relieves the symptoms of those of us who are suffering. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keeps our elders and the vulnerable amongst us safe. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserves us and our health. And that Allah Azza wa Jal relieves the situation and brings a cure to it. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal that he showers his blessings and his mercy and forgiveness upon us as a community. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal that he allows us to use this test as a means of drawing closer to him. As a means of strengthening our iman. As a means of increasing in our ibadah, in our worship, in our dua, in our dhikr. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal that he doesn't make this test a means of shaking and weakening our iman of us becoming distanced from him subhanahu wa ta'ala as a means of shaitan coming with his whisperings and his traps and making us people who divert away from the remembrance of Allah Azza wa Jal. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he makes it a means of increasing us in our reward, elevating our ranks and purifying and expiating our sins. Innahu jawadun kareem. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alayhi. This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org.